Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Hey, we've got a problem here. What did you do? Nothing. I stirred the tanks. Whoa. Hey. Uh, this is Houston. Uh, say again, please. Houston, we have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. America, we have a problem. Knoxville, we have a problem. Uh, I wonder... I was listening uh, earlier this week to a podcast from Glenn Beck, and he has a regular contributor on on his program that uh, asked the question, I thought it was a great one, have we come to our second tower moment? What he meant by that was, if you were watching the news on 9-11, after the first tower hit, you had questions of, good grief, what happened? Is this, is this airline going to rise? Did something happen on the airline? Was there problems on the plane? What, what, what in the world's going on? And then the plane hits the second tower. And you know in an instant we're under attack. It's, it's, it's a totally different mindset, totally different game. And I wonder in our culture if, I wonder how many of us sitting in this room have already had a second tower moment. But we know we're under attack. The enemy's coming after us. He's using anything and everything he can to do that uh, across a multitude of platforms, uh, from a virus to, to racism to history. To He's doing everything he can to undercut what you and I believe today and to, and to silence your voice and my voice in our culture. And I wonder if, if you have reached your second tower moment yet to where you know we're under attack. If not, I hope today's message will bring you to a second tower place to where we're under attack and you leave knowing that, you leave better equipped, hopefully, as to how to deal with that. This, this month, we're going to look at this idea of a, of a sick nation and what, the, what the, uh, the real antidote should be and is. And the first step in that is recognizing we have a problem. And that's where I want to get us today. If you want to uh, uh, turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2. And as I, as I thought about this, this series of messages, I, I thought, well, this... This letter to the church of Ephesus really speaks to where America is today. So I want, I want to see the parallels in, in, in where this church was in that day and time and where, where the, the, the nation of America is today. Let's look at verses 1 to 7 of chapter 2 of Revelation. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet, I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you did not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears to hear, 
Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To those who are victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, four things I think this should push us to some bit of recognition about this morning. The first of which is this. We have to recognize we're doing the same things. Look at two and three again with me. We're doing the same things. I know your deeds, the hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not and have found them false. You persevered and have endured hardships for my name. You've not grown weary. I know your deeds, he said. You haven't grown weary. Notice these two things he says that they're doing well in. The first of which is this idea of being perseverant, of persevering hard times, of making it through the hard place. You faced hard places. You faced hard decisions. You've handled them well, and you've not grown weary in doing that. The second thing is that he says you're perceptive. You not only have, have a great deal of perseverance, but you're also perceptive. You recognize false teaching. Uh, you, you put it in its place. You, 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 you've pointed it out and brought it to, to the surface. And that's the case because you, they, the, the church at Ephesus had, had obviously been taught well in the scriptures and from the scriptures and knew what the word of God said and why, why uh, false teaching should be exposed when it is. So he said, these things you're doing well. You're, you're doing a good job at these things. What I want us to see, though, is however, doing the same things over and over again and expecting a different result is defined as insanity. We're expect, if we're expecting a sin-sick world to see your witness and my witness and instantly change, we're in for a shock because our culture doesn't want what you and I have. Our culture doesn't see what you and I are walking with and, and want, it, want a different way today. The, the, the thing I want to point out about that is, is this. Um, doing the right things is always good. Doing the right things is always right. But doing them the right way and with the right motives is paramount. Doing them the right way and with the right motives is paramount. It's not just seeing good deeds, seeing that the body loves each other, seeing that the body loves lost folks. But it's how we go about that. It's our motives. It's, it's, it's how we say and do the things we say and do, uh, doing them with, with the right motives. Because it's how we do what we do that gets our Lord's attention. Not just the things we do, but the motives behind them. He's more concerned with our motives than our methods every time. More concerned with our motives than our methods. Secondly, not only do we need to recognize we're doing the same thing and expecting a different result, but we have to recognize, secondly, that we need to remember. We need to recognize the need to remember. Look at verse 4 again with me. He says, yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. Remember when you fell in love for the first time um, back in alt, alt 3 or whenever that was for you? Or in, in Doc and June's case, back in the late 1800s when they fell in love for the first time. Uh, that, that, that feeling, that, that sense of you were consumed by that, weren't you? I mean, you were consumed with, I want to express that. I want, I want to show that to them. I want them to know my love for them. I want the, and so you were, cons you were consumed with, with those thoughts of the other person. And so he's saying, get back to that. You, you, you've walked away from your first love. He's saying here, the, the right thing's done with the wrong motives. Looking right about it is, is still wrong, regardless of how it looks to others. Um, that's, that's how we do uh, what we do. Is, that's why how we do what we do is just as important as the things we're doing. Uh, now, he says here, uses the word forsaken. You've forsaken your first love, meaning you knew it, you've had it, you've experienced it before, 
And if we've forsaken it, it means we know what that feels like. We know what that th- how that works. We know the, the process of, of what, that, what that did in us and, and what God wants to do in us to do through us. We, we, we get that. We understand that. So the implication there is if you've experienced it before, you should know the trail back to get there again. If you know what your first love was to begin with, go back to do those same things. Go back and revisit those same paths that you, that you walked before. You can experience success and victory again. Some of us don't remember things well. Some of us are, are, are easy to forget the kinds of things that, that God has done in us that he wants to do through us. We don't remember those things well because <clears throat> the reminders of, uh, that, that, that they're not just healthy, they're vital. If we're to see the things God wants us to see, we need to remember those, those places where and whether, whether you met him at a, at a conference, at a, at, a, at a revival service, at a, at a, at a retreat, whether you experienced him in, 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 in the fullest ways as a, as a student, as a, as a young adult, as a child, he's saying, go back and revisit, revisit those places. Take your memory back to those experiences that you had with God that you knew you were in a holy place in a holy moment. And as we revisit those places, he says, you, you, your memory would take you back to, to that kind of walk, to that kind of desire, to seek those kinds of things again for yourself and not just grow complacent with, that's how it used to be. But it can't be that way anymore. He said, no, go back and revisit those things. There are some who want this, this current crisis that we're in in America to move us fundamentally away from where we are uh, in a different direction, in, in a, honestly, in a pagan direction, in, in a godless direction. I think the enemy's all about that, and I think he's using whoever he can and will in, our, in, in this culture and in this current climate to see that those things occur. We're moving in a direction where Science is the new authority, and socialism is the new way forward. That's tragic for us, and we're sitting by as, as the body of Christ, as Christ followers, many of us, and allowing that to happen. However, we need to be reminded here what got us here and who it takes to get us out. If we remember what got us here, if we remember that forgetting those, those things, walking away from our first love, if that's what got us here, Let's go back and revisit that first love. If we understand that those, those we put those principles, that desire, that hunger in place again, we can walk in that place again, find fulfillment again in our life as a believer and be contagious to those around us in our culture who desperately need to see Jesus. Let me remind you that yes, there are those against us that, that, that as I said a moment ago, want to move our culture in a pagan direction, in a godless direction. But I want to remind you of this. Our, our war is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this dark age. It is Satan who's behind what's going on today. We need to recognize him, move against him, and, and call him by name. <clears throat> call him by name as, as the perpetrator of what's going on. It's him. We need to recognize that we're doing the same thing and expecting a different result. We need to recognize, secondly, the need to remember what got us here, who would deliver us from it. Thirdly, we need to recognize the need to repent. The need to repent. Look at verse 5. Consider how far you have fallen. What a statement. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Repent and do the things you did at first. Now, notice a couple of things here. The first thing is repentance. The second thing is consequence. What I want us to see about repentance is this, is that genuine, genuine, genuine repentance involves three things. It involves stopping. It involves turning. It involves refocusing. 
stopping in the sense that we recognize we're headed in the wrong direction. Uh, turning in the sense that we are, we are, to use the GPS term, recalculating. We, we, know, we know we're in the wrong direction. We haven't found the right one yet, but we're recalculating to find out, God, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where's the direction you want me to head in? And then thirdly, this idea of refocusing means I found it and there it is. I'm moving in a different direction than I was before. I've repented. I've turned. I've recalculated. I've found God's direction for my life, for our nation, for, for my family, for my vocation, and I'm walking in that direction. Uh, we don't... We don't uh, we don't lose our salvation, but we can lose our influence. That's what he's talking about here in this lampstand. He said, I'll, I'll remove your lampstand. I'll remove the illumination that, that your life can bring if you don't turn and repent from me. I'll take your influence away from you. Whew. What a judgment. I, I, I'll see the influence that potentially you could have on, on the lives of others. If you don't choose to walk with me, I'll remove it from you. Uh, that's, that's a dangerous place to get in, in, in our life and in our world and Please understand, he's not talking in this verse about your salvation. You can't and won't lose your, your salvation. The Spirit seals you, Scripture says, and seals that relationship with, with your Heavenly Father. But we can, lose and, can and do lose our influence. I'm convinced that we have churches, all, in fact, entire denominations across America that have lost their influence. That God, to use an Old Testament reference, has written Ichabod over the door to say, no more influence for you. Your influence is gone. That pains me to stand here this morning and say that as, as an evangelical Christian that I, I know and in, our, in our city of church after church that's lost its influence and have, have decided I'm, I, rather than take a stand, I'll, I'll just be silent and do the same things I've been doing, expecting a different result and refuse to repent, refuse to remember, refuse to return. Uh, but there are, again, there, there are in churches and entire denominations across our land that have lost their influence and, and, and wonder what happened. Still, still meeting here on Sunday morning wondering what happened. Uh, we, we didn't see this coming. Um, if, if, if that's the case, it's because they have refused to stop, refused to turn, and refused to refocus where they're headed. Uh, Jeremiah 6, 7 says this, As a well pours out its water, so she pours out her wickedness. Violence and destruction resound in her. Her sickness and wounds are ever before me. He's t of course, Jeremiah is talking about the nation of Israel in, in, that, in that verse, but I see great parallels between the nation of Israel and America today where we stand. We, we're sick. We, we've allowed ourselves a, a cancer in the enemy to, 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 to weave and wind his way into our culture, into, into media, into, into those who are influenced. Um, I think God wants me to say this, so I'm going to go ahead and say this. If it falls on judgmental ears, so be it. Or disagreeing ears, so be it. One of the reasons I believe so firmly <clears throat> in private education, and more specifically in private Christian education, is our colleges are gone. They're gone. The public universities in this country are Unless the Lord tells you to send your kid there, don't waste your time thinking they're going to get, 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 get a sound biblical worldview education in those places. Because, at least in my opinion, they're gone. I, I, and it hurts me to say that, but we can, as a nation, still repent. Even though some segments of our, our, our society is gone, we can do something, uh, uh, can change the, the outset, the culture of that. Repentance is hard because I have to admit that I'm wrong. 
I got to admit I'm headed, headed in the wrong direction and I got to re refocus and recalculate where I'm, where I'm headed. It's a hard thing to do, but our nation was founded on the authority of God and on the truths of this book. I know that and believe that standing here before you today, that that's true. And we need to repent and turn back to those things. Here's the thing. Our culture needs to see Christ's followers leading the way to repentance. They don't need to see our, the media repenting. They don't need to see the left repenting. They don't need to, need to see Washington repenting. They need to see church after church and Christ follower after Christ follower saying, I've headed in the wrong direction. I, 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 see, my, I, I see the sickness in me, in my life, in, in my church, in the kingdom as a whole. I need to repent and turn, turn from that. And, and, and our culture desperately needs to see Christ followers leading the way to that repentance. Got to recognize we're doing the same things, the need to remember, and the need to repent. Finally, we need to recognize the need to return. Look at verse 7 with me, the need to return. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To those who are victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. He's asking here this question. Have you heard enough and seen enough to be convinced when we're headed in the wrong direction? In essence, if not, how much is it going to take? What's that second tower moment for you? Have you heard enough and seen enough to know you're under attack? Your values, your beliefs, your worldview, the scripture you, you hold precious, the Lord that you know personally, those things are under attack. Have you seen enough and heard enough you know, you're convinced that's the way, way that's true. Uh, are we perceptive enough uh, to see God's way and coming back to it? Somebody gave me a book several years ago called Small Strong Churches. And it had a significant impact on me because there was great, it was a result of some research, both scriptural and otherwise, of the smaller cities that Paul wrote to having a healthier body life. And the bigger cities that he wrote to, the bigger churches that he wrote to, having some issues and some struggles and seeing those things paralleled in our culture. The, the, the author uh, also did, had, had some research uh, commissioned to, to discover those same things about the American church. The smaller churches, and what he meant by smaller churches, <clears throat> were those 75 and, and under, had a much, a much more healthy, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> a much more healthy view of the scripture, a healthier body life, accomplished more in the community, had, had, had a greater sense of love and connection as, as a body with each other, were more contagious with their faith. Now, that's not to say that large churches are out of God's will or somehow wrong or evil, but many, many larger churches get in, sadly get in, and I've talked to enough pastors to know this to be true, get in maintenance mode where you're just maintaining the ship and making sure the ship's kind of doesn't steer, steer off course. And it, but if God gave you a different direction to go, it would take months and years to turn that large church in a different direction. Smaller churches can be more nimble and, and, and react and respond to, spiritually speaking, <clears throat> to the plans and designs of God for that church. Our culture is slowly discovering that as well. My dad, as I've told you, was in the grocery business back when the grocery business was neighborhood grocery stores down on the corner. I've seen in my lifetime that grow to be these huge mammoth stores that you walk through now. It takes 30 minutes to walk from the front of the store to back to get the thing you want back to, to get checked out, if you can find a, find a person at a register to check out. 
to get what you want. It takes 30 more minutes to check out. <clears throat> and I, but I, evidently that, that feedback, I'm not the only one that feels that way. That feedback is getting to people like Walmart and Kroger. Have you seen Kroger par partnering together with Walgreens to do smaller stores inside a Walgreens store? And Walmart is doing smaller, there's a, in fact, a smaller store on Oak Ridge Highway where, where these, these huge mammoth stores are getting, getting more feedback to say smaller is better. It's more nimble. It, it is, you can get in, get out quicker. You can find the things you want quicker and not be overwhelmed with 17 different brands of one thing that you're trying to buy. Uh, it, there, are, there, are, there are some great assets to our being a smaller church and our seeing the hand of God and, our, and God being able to speak to us more quickly and our being able to respond more quickly to what, what he wants. But that centers around one thing. Smaller centers around one thing, hunger. Smaller churches are more hungry to find the will of God and the design of God for their lives. Smaller, smaller men are more hungry to prove themselves than bigger men are. There, there, there's design to the fact that the smaller things sometimes God will use in a more significant way and the bigger thing. Not always, but there's design to that. And we need to recognize that. It's, uh, I, I've, seen, I've seen this world's way forward. And I'm seeing it unfold before us. And I'm going to tell you, it's in total rebellion of the truth. It's in total rebellion of this book. Uh, the, what he's saying here in this passage to, to this church at, at Ephesus is this. The better way forward is to go back. The better way forward is to remember. The better way forward is to repent. The better way forward is to return. To back, get back to your first love. You don't need a new love. Get back to your first love. Get back to the one that you knew. Get back to the, to the Jesus you trusted as a, as a young child, as your savior, as a teenager. Get back to that relationship. Get back to that fellowship. Get back to that discipleship. Get back to that hunger. Get back to that place where you couldn't get enough of him and revisit that place again, again, and again. Because our Lord and his word is not just a solution. It is the solution to our culture. And we've got to recognize that if we're going to move forward and, and be, be change agents and impact our culture for Christ. And it desperately needs to see your witness and mine this morning standing here. A couple of observations as we wrap up. That's this. I think this passage has shown us today to never assume that because you're doing good things, you're in the center of God's will for you. Never just assume because you're doing good things that you are in the center of God's will. Now, now, does that mean stop doing the good things? No. It means this. Continually examine your motives. Continue to, act, continue to ask yourself, why am I doing the things I'm doing? Why am I walking in this place? Why am I believing this? Why am I pursuing this relationship over that? Why am I listening to this instead of that? Why am I exposed to consider the motives of what, what, why we're doing what we're doing? Not that, to let the let the good things go by and stop doing those things, but consider why am I doing those things? Because we can do good things and be totally out of the divine will of God for our lives. We need to recognize that truth. Um, when I was, <clears throat> what, what led to my diagnosis of Parkinson's is realizing I had a problem. I started to get this, help this hand do things. It's, unknowingly, but I started to notice I'm having difficulty shaving this side of my face instead of this side of this hand. I'm having greater difficulty in doing some fine motor skills. And that difficulty, that recognition that I had a problem sent me to my, my regular uh, uh, 
doctor who, knowing my history and that I had a neck injury, thought I had a pinched nerve. And so he sends me to, to a neurosurgeon who orders a neck MRI and looks at my neck MRI and says, you don't have a pinched nerve. I think there's something neurological going on. Uh, I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, I don't know. It could be anything from ALS to MS to something else. You need to see a neurologist. I'm a neurosurgeon. I go in and repair pinched nerves and spinal and brain issues. But I think you need to see a neurologist. So I go to one neurologist. She preliminary gives me preliminary diagnosis, but that's, that's not her specialty. Sends me to another one. Who gives me the diagnosis? Says yes. In fact, you have Parkinson's disease, and here's here's how we're going to treat this going forward. But to get to where I stand today with some treatment that's that's being fairly effective, I think so far. Thank thank thankful to the Lord for that. To get there, I had to recognize I had a problem. I had to recognize this isn't working like it used to work. I can't do the things with it. I'm catching thresholds with this right leg. I had to recognize I got a problem. I can't, I can't just ignore this and think it's going to go away or I'll eat more fiber or you know, change my diet, which I've tried to do some. But I had to recognize I had a problem and seek help to the problem. And help to the problem got me to three doctors before I got to the end of the problem. I'll have to say this. We got ourselves a situation. We're in trouble. We're sick as a nation. I think we're in denial if we don't recognize that today. But we, we've got to come to a place, before we can do anything about it, we've got to come to a place of recognition and agreement. Yes, we've got a problem. Houston, we've got problems. We can't make it back home with the problems we've got. We, we need some solutions. What I want to see unfold the rest of this month as we look to this antidote for Sig Nation is some solutions that God has in his word to speak to you and I as a body, to speak to the church at large in Knoxville, and to speak to us as a, as a nation to say, you don't have to stay sick. Don't choose to stay that way. Don't choose to see that as the new, the new normal. Because it is not. It's not my design for you. Personally, as a church, as the kingdom, my design for you is to, to live in victory, to have greater influence, and to influence this world for Christ. And not be intimidated with political correctness. Well, I hope we want to get there. I hope you want to recognize that first of all today and do the, take the steps it takes to get there. I hope you would join us this month as we do that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, we're sin sick. And our enemy, the devil, has found, its, he's found his way into our culture to the extent that he's not even hiding anymore. He's showing his face. He's getting bolder and bolder. He's saying things that he used to only say in private, out in public. He has a microphone now. He's, he has a platform now that he didn't have before. And he's getting bolder and bolder with each passing month, week, day, hour. Would you cause us sitting here today to recognize that and say, I got a problem. And we've allowed the enemy to take over in our, in our, in our culture, in our country. In fact, we've allowed him to take over churches and entire denominations in our, in our culture. Would you cause us today to see the peril that we find ourselves in and, and bring some alarm. Would you allow this moment, if we've not experienced it before, to be a second tower moment to where we recognize we are under attack and the attack is intentional, it's orchestrated, it's by design and the body of Christ can just sit, by, sit back and allow it to occur. We can stand up and say enough. 
enough. God has a different way. He's got a different plan. We need to repent and turn back to him. Repent and get back to the truths of his word and speak to who he is. Show us that today. Cause us to desire that move, that, that step in that different direction, to stop, to recalculate, and to head in a different direction today. Stir in our hearts the desire to do that, we pray in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Crosspoint Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.